Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. Which means he's my boss's boss. So welcome him only. Some days I don't even know what to call myself or what I do. So anyway, Oak Hills, it's great to be here. We love coming to Oak Hills, hearing about what you're up to. Thank you so much for being on mission, for being thoughtful about what you do, for being thoughtful about how you help people become more and more like Jesus and encourage them on mission in their daily life. Um, Thanks for staying faithful to that and working hard at that. It's good to be partners in ministry because we can do more together than we can if we're left to ourselves. So thank you for your prayers, your financial support for the NorCal Association. We work at developing leaders, planting churches, and helping established congregations become a bit more effective in what they do uh, in their call to kingdom missions. So thank you for being a part of that uh, with our other 40 congregations in Northern California. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day and the opportunity to gather as your people. We pray that today you would help us to see, help us to hear, help us to understand those things that you would have for us in this particular passage of Scripture. May we be willing servants of yours. May your Holy Spirit work in us and through us today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen to this tragic story of relentless love. It revolves around one couple. The guy was convinced that God had wanted him to marry this one particular girl. She had a reputation for sleeping around. He didn't care. He still wanted to marry her. So they married. They had three children. Neither the husband or wife knew for sure if the second and third child were his. After marriage, she had continued to sleep around. She gave little consideration to their marriage vows. Her husband was a laughingstock in their small town. The marriage was a joke, really. It was a regular topic of gossip at the local bar, as you can imagine. Other women avoided her, but they didn't avoid talking about her. Shortly after the third child was born, the wife ran off with another man. This husband was a saint. He remained faithful, not only to his vows, but to his children. He raised them alone as a single parent, He refused to divorce her. He didn't have her parental rights taken away. He could have. He probably should have. This wife was passed from man to man and eventually came to a dead end as a prostitute. The husband heard about her situation, where she was, and he loved her. Regardless, he pursued her. He went He cut a deal with her pimp, he bought her back, and then he brought her into their home. Can you imagine that? Who does that? What do you talk about around the dinner table? How do you go anywhere as a couple without other people talking and staring and glaring? What do you do when you show up in church the next Sunday morning and everybody knows the story of your marriage. His love for his wife was relentless. He never 
gave up on her. You may already know, this is an old story. It's the story of a prophet and a prostitute. Hosea and his wife Gomer. It's found in the Old Testament between the books of Daniel and Joel. Fourteen chapters unfolding the story of God's love for His people, the nation of Israel, through this living illustration of a prophet and a prostitute. It's a disruptive story. It's a painful story. The story's lived out sometime between the years of 775 B.C. and 722 B.C., just before Israel goes into captivity. Hosea's name means he saves. Gomer's name means to bring to an end or to complete. Hosea rescued Gomer when she was at her end. He saved her. Through Hosea's marriage to Gomer... God shows His deep love for His people, comparing Himself to a husband married to a harlot. This story is a story of relentless love, a story of repentance, a story of restoration for those willing to accept God's offer of forgiveness, to come back to Him, a living illustration of God's love for His people. Do you ever wonder if God cares? Do you ever wonder if God really loves you? If He pursues you or pursues His church? Is He actively engaged in life as we know it? Or does He remove Himself and watch from a distance? This story, Hosea and Gomer, is a visual rather than a verbal sermon of God's love for the nation of Israel. A real-time drama Rather than a detailed prophetic word, God loved Israel. God pursued His people. And while the story is ancient, the illustration applying first to the nation of Israel, the depth of God's love is just as deep and real today. That same love permeates what He has done for the world through Jesus Christ. God does care. God is engaged. He's not watching from a distance. You have heard this. Don't just say it, show it. You've probably said it to your kids when they're sorry for something they've done. Or to your spouse. Don't just say it, show it. That's exactly what God is doing in this story. He's not just saying it. He's showing it. It parallels what He has done through His Son, Jesus Christ, for His church. His church described as the bride of Christ throughout the New Testament. Even though Israel had left God for other gods, in spite of their promises, with no, with no regard to the covenant vows they had taken, God loved them relentlessly and He wanted them back. They would go into exile. This exile would be used to bring them to the point of repentance, return, and restoration. God was always working in their favor. And for their benefit. It's beautiful what God does. Even in the midst of disobedient. So we enter the story. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. 
For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer. A prophet marrying a prostitute. This is outside of proper boundaries. It disrupts our morality. Yet, this was God's word to Hosea. This marriage would be the medium for God's message to His nation. A living illustration of God's love for Israel in the midst of Israel's unfaithfulness to God. It must have shocked Hosea to hear what God wanted him to do. Gomer already had a reputation. Everyone, including Hosea, knew she would be unfaithful before this marriage even took place. During the course of their marriage, Gomer bears Hosea three children with symbolic names. The first, a son, Jezreel, meaning God will sow. The second, a daughter, Loruhama, which means not loved. And the third, another son, Loami, which means not my people. God saying, for you are not my people and I am not your God. Each child symbolizing the deteriorating relationship of Israel with God. Now, God knew what it was like to be betrayed by the people he loved. In Hosea chapter 2, he describes it through Gomer's acts of adultery. He had chosen Israel as his people with the call of Abram and the promise of a son that they would become a nation for the purpose of blessing every nation on earth. He watched over them as they slaved away in Egypt. He was the one who delivered them from captivity and promised them a land of their own. A land that they would inherit. They would harvest fruit that they wouldn't have cultivated the fields for or dressed the vines. He would give them a land of abundance. He would shower Israel with grace. But they would spurn Him in spite of the promise In spite of the miraculous delivery out of Egypt, these people continued to complain and sin and rebel and leave God. He declared He would be their leader, but they demanded a king. He gave them a king, but they continued to give themselves to other gods, other nations, disobeying the very one who delivered them. God responded with exile. He frustrated their efforts. Israel repeated their sin. Through unfaithfulness, they abandoned the benefits God offered. In spite of their bad behavior, God remained faithful. He offered grace and compassion again and again and again and again. So the nation might be restored to the place that He wanted them to be. To experience the benefits that He wanted them to experience. Hosea lived the pain God felt. The broken heart, the bent emotions, the blatant betrayal. This is not just the story of Hosea and Gomer. This is our story. God has showered us with His love. He has offered us hope in the work of Christ. He promised us life could be different If we followed Him, if we claimed the forgiveness offered through Christ, yet 
we find ourselves giving ourselves away to other gods, to work, to money, to relationships, to causes, to addictions of every kind, looking for something, seeking something beyond what we think God might even be able to offer, in hope of muffling the voice inside of us that says there must be more. We continue to search for those things that will drown out that voice. And in the process, we abandon the only one, the only one who can give us the very thing we are seeking. The church, God's church, the bride of Christ, gives herself away to other gods in hopes of drawing a crowd, putting on a better show, bending to the God of technology or the promise of prosperity, calculated emotions, human competence, and a commitment to relevance at the expense of faithfulness. Hosea brings this message of banishment, but he offers hope. Hope that this exile would serve as a catalyst for repentance and ultimate restoration of the nation. The nation is on a redemptive journey, whether they know it or not. The entire Old Testament leads God's people on a redemptive journey, ultimately fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. In Hosea's life, this act of redemption is demonstrated for us in Hosea 3. Listen to... These few verses, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Remember, she ran out on him. She's been sleeping with other men. She left him with three young children. Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and it is is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites though they turn to other gods and love their sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley, 430 pounds of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way toward you. Hosea's action would symbolize God's love and his act of redemption for this nation. Fast forward with me. Chapters 4 through 10 of Hosea describe God's judgment, his punishment for Israel's adultery. He tells them what's going to be coming. Chapter 11 is a chapter of reprieve and hope. The possibility of what life could be like if they return to him. Chapters 11 and 12 go back to Israel's sin And God's anger as it burns against them. And then we come to Hosea 14, which outlines God's conditions for their return. Listen to these nine verses. Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to Him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you the fatherless find compassion. And the Lord responds to them, verse 4, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. 
I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send his roots down. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like the cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell again in his shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I'm like a flourishing juniper. Your fruitfulness comes from me. And then in verse 9, who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand the way of the Lord. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. This chapter finds the nation in the final years before the Assyrian captivity in 722 B.C. Exile was the result of their unfaithfulness. An exile intended to foster repentance and reconciliation. The final word from the prophet begins this way. It's a call. Israel, return to the Lord your God. Return to the Lord your God. Literally, this means come home. It's an invitation for the nation to come home to God where they belong. I grew up in a small town. During the day in the summer, we would always be everywhere playing. My mom didn't worry about where we were. We could only get about one square mile away from home, and she knew everybody in town. She would stand out on the steps in the evening when it was time to eat, and she would say, Kids, come home for dinner. I think she thought it was an invitation. We thought it was a disruption. We were with our friends. We didn't want to come home. I've aged a little bit since then. And now an invitation to come home sounds pretty good to me. When I call my mom and dad, they will ask, when are you going to come home? Maybe you've had that experience. For me, there's almost nothing filled with more anticipation than arriving home. I realize that this is not necessarily true for everyone. Not everyone can go home. That home's gone. Or for some reason, home is not a pleasant memory. We just went home last month for a family family reunion. Some of you probably survived those this summer. 120 of us in a large room. This was my mom's side of the family. The crazy ones. The annoying ones, now don't be thinking about the names of your own family members. The difficult ones, the disagreeable ones, the ones that are kind of different. And then there were a handful of normal ones like me. I love driving into the driveway of my parents' home. Having lived there from 1962 on, that place is home for them. Mom and dad coming out to greet us a little slower than they used to be. Stepping into the house and smelling home. Homemade cinnamon rolls, homemade breakfast sausage, a lumpy bed, a game of cards, exchanging old stories, creating new memories, catching up on the latest events. The invitation to come home in that context is appealing to me. Through Hosea's life and prophecy, 
God is literally calling out to the wayward nation. Come home. Come home. This is what Hosea offered Gomer. But even more than just coming home, it was a new, an offer of a new beginning. A fresh start. Forgiving sin, forgetting ugly behavior, leaving behind a bad reputation. A second chance, third chance, fourth chance. The story is a shadow, a foretelling of God's work in Jesus. A call to come home to the Father is now extended to everyone, everywhere. The difficult person, the distant one, the difficult one, the disagreeable, the different one, are all extended an invitation to come home, to come home. We see this in Jesus' story of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15. A story about a father watching, waiting, wondering, hoping, praying that his son will come home. His wayward son. And then welcoming his son. Offering him a free, a free uh, start. A fresh start. And this offer comes to the son after the son has demanded his half of the father's and of his inheritance. He left home. He squandered all of his money. He was left homeless. He was eating in the pig yard with the pigs. And the father welcomed him home. Come home. In Hosea, Gomer's invited to come home. A prodigal nation is offered sanctuary. When Israel comes home, they're told to bring words of repentance. A request for forgiveness. A confession that the way they had been living was futile and only God's compassion could offer them hope. A way back for the wayward. This was a shift from the past. Before, the nation, the people, could never come before God without a sacrifice. A grain offering. A blood offering. Something that would push back sin. It was outlined by the law. But now it is words that they are asked to bring with them as they return to the Lord. A sign of a new beginning, a fresh start. It's not the sacrifice and burnt offerings God is looking for. He's looking for living sacrifices. Confession is made. Forgive all our sins and receive us graciously. Take us in that we may offer the fruit of our lips, literally translated the calves of our lips, reminiscent of that blood offering. Offering themselves as a living sacrifice. Offering their life. To follow and serve God. And God would spare His people. They would be carried off into captivity, but eventually restored. God offered hope, declaring, I will heal their waywardness. I will love them freely. My anger has turned away from them. What was deserved would not be delivered. Just as Hosea offered Gomer a new beginning. On her day of deepest disgrace, He loved her. He pursued her. He was relentless in that pursuit. He never gave up. This is the story of God pursuing His people. Nothing has changed. God pursues us. He pursues His church, His people. 
Those who acknowledge Him, those who spurn Him, He pursues. And He offers them an invitation to come home. His love is relentless. And so Hosea in 14 verse 9 says, Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them. But the rebellious stumble in them. The story creates questions for me. Questions I ask myself. How does the prophet speak to us today? What in this story extends to me? How do you hear the story of a prophet marrying a prostitute? Do you hear the invitation to come home no matter what you have been? An invitation to come home no matter where you find yourself today. An invitation to come home no matter who you are in the eyes of others. And what about His church, the Bride of Christ? God has chosen His church to be the principal historical agent of His mission in the world. His instrument of redemption. God is not threatening rejection of His church. But we are reminded... That God's relentless love pursues us, His people, the church, the bride. The church or a church might find herself strayed from God. Perhaps we mingle the way of culture with the way of God. We redefine what it means to follow Jesus, falsely believing that prosperity or the ability to draw a crowd are signs that we are faithful. Perhaps we've loved the things of this world in a way that has diminished our capacity to represent God's love to the world. Some are in favor of worshiping Jesus, but are not interested in following Jesus. Have we lost our edge as a distinct people of God, set apart for His purpose? Do we think critically? about our decisions and how they shape our capacity to love God and others? Do we examine our strategies to evaluate how they're affecting the formation of Christ followers? Do we consider our practices and how they might shape our soul? How are we seeking the security of Assyria? Where are we depending upon the strength of horses? Have we left God behind for other gods? Spiritual adulterers, prostitutes, seeking fulfillment in something other than God himself. Just as Hosea did not let go of Gomer, just as God would not let go of the nation of Israel, God will not give up on his church. Others underestimate her. Though she's pushed to the margins, it seems, in this day, She is his change agent in the world. She will persevere. And we are invited to share in God's grand plan and work with him through his church. God's call to his people, his church, is this return to the Lord your God. Come home. It's a call to those who proclaim to be followers of Christ to not only come home, but stay home. It's a call to those who have yet to express faith in Jesus. Come home. Come home to the Father that sacrificed His Son because of His love for you.
Today, God's relentless love is demonstrated to us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the good news. Abundant life in Christ here and now. Beyond what we can imagine or create on our own. A deep sense of joy in our circumstance, no matter what those circumstances might be. There's forgiveness where there's repentance. Healing is available to the wayward. That's good news. God will refresh. God will forgive. Come home. If you are wise, you will realize these things. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. May we respond today with humility and wisdom. Confession and repentance. May His healing power wash over our brokenness. May His forgiveness replace sin and guilt with the reality of a new start. Restored into a family as sons and daughters. Welcomed home by the Father in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray with me, please. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life. But above all, for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray. Give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service, by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom and with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all the ages. Amen. Amen.